But, but last week we talked about righteousness, and, and righteousness means uh, keeping a straight course, listening to advice, and maintaining purity in our thoughts. It means responding to people with prayerful answers. And man, all, all of them have been working me this week. Uh, responding to people with people with prayerful answers. Oh, believe me, we need to work that. But the one that the Lord's worked me the most on this week was listening to his advice. And, and anyway, we're going to read today uh, about listening to him. As you're looking in Psalms 81, 8 through 16, the, her- the historical insight is this was probably a song celebrated uh, at the Feast of the Tabernacles as a holy holiday hymn. And it celebrates the exodus from Egyptian slavery and the bondage. And, and, and anyway, it's just it's kind of a hymn worshiping that. Now, the part we're reading today, you're probably going to be thinking that's a hymn. But, but anyhow, uh, it's before the kings and stuff that I was going to talk to you about here in a second. But, but bear with me because I believe the Lord's got a word for us today. But Psalms 81.8, listen to me. O oh, my people, while I give you stern warnings. O oh, Israel, if you would only listen to me, you must never have a foreign God. You must not bow down before a false God. For it was I, the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it with good things. But no, my people would not listen. Israel did not want me around. Verse 12, so I let them follow their own stubborn desires, living according to their own ideas. Oh, that my people would listen to me. Oh, that Israel would follow me, walking in my paths. How quickly I would then subdue their enemies. How soon my hands would be open to their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him. They would be doomed forever. But I would feed you with the finest wheat. I would satisfy you with the wild honey from the rock. And Father, we thank you for your anointing that's upon the word. And Father, again, I ask that people hear your words today and not mine. And Father, that they get something from you today, Lord, I'm believing with all my heart, soul, and mind. And Father, that they move forward in that in Jesus' name. But point one, listening to God. Listening to God is the key to our relationship with God. To listen means to hear attentively, to pay attention uh, it, it is defined as in like in prayer, it's giving God your fullest attention. So as a believer, uh, the key to our relationship is listening to God, giving God our fullest attention. In our marriage book that, that we do for those that we counsel in the church, as far as those that are getting married, there's a part in there that the writer, I just love, because he says if if when somebody's speaking... If you're thinking of an answer the whole time they're talking, you're not listening. And boy, that really ministers to me because so many times we're in prayer to God and we're trying to think of the answer when we just need to listen to Him. I think so many times in our marriages, we're trying to to figure it out and give our spouses the answer instead of just listening at what they're trying to say. Sometimes it's a simple thing and because we don't listen, we don't get it. But we need to be listeners, and listeners that are doers and just don't speak it with their lips, but do it by their actions. I love my son Joshua, but but we caught on to his schemes. He was a slick little guy. That kid, he learned at a young age that if you would ask him to do something, he would just say, okay, but he would never do it. 
And it took us like 10 years to catch on to this, you know. Because we're just not used to a kid saying okay, you know. And with Amy, you tell her to do something and she would argue with you, then she would go do it later on. But she would listen and do it. She may not have liked it, but she would do it. Joshua would listen and say he'd do it, but he'd never do it. And we need to be careful of that as believers that, that we're listening to what God has to say and we're not always giving him the words to say. But it's important. In verses 11 and 12, people have a hard time getting a hold of that. The writer was saying, but no, my people, they just won't listen. Israel did not want me around. So I let them follow their own stubborn desires, living according to their own ideas. Guys, not listening and not wanting God around, that's not a smart thing to do. I'm going to show you, the, and the Lord just put this on my heart. And again, the, uh, I'm going to show you the kings that served Israel today. And, and I'm going to talk about the kings that served after Saul. David, or Saul was the first king, then David, then Solomon. But after they passed on, that Israel was, was broken up into two tribes. And, and there were two tribes. One was Judah, and it was made up of Judah and Benjamin. And then the second nation, in other words, uh, they broke up into two nations, was called Israel. And they were the remaining ten tribes of the, of the twelve. It's interesting to me that 19 kings reigned for Judah, and 19 kings reigned over Israel over the next few years. And God, I just love numbers in the Bible, but 19 and 19 kings. You just, that's, this doesn't happen. You know, that's a God thing to me. But what the interesting thing is, is Judah threw a queen in there. So in a time span of approximately 393 years and six months, there was 39 or 38 kings in one queen that ruled over Israel or, or Judea. The nation Israel had the 19 kings, and, and basically, if you want to study them out, they really didn't listen to God. You guys know when you hear about a king, it'll start out with, they were evil and did evil on the side of the Lord. Or this king was good and he did good in the side of the Lord. Well, if you study the kings of Israel, very few, most of them were evil. And really, some, some scholars say they all were evil at heart. And then you get the 19 of Israel, or Judah, 12, excuse me, of the 20 when you count the queen, 12 of the 20 were evil in the sight of the Lord. Only eight out of the total 39 lived for the Lord. Where you would read in the Bible, it would say, oh, they did good in the sight of the Lord. They did great things in the sight of the Lord. They followed the Lord. And so I hope that, that you're with me here, but, but let's just do that. Let's go to slide number five. And slide number five is the, is the, the we're just going to talk about Judah, not Israel. But slide number five is the one that has the, the, that one. Thank you. But Rehoboam, and it goes on down and lists them. Besides each one of them is the years that they served, okay? So Rehoboam was 17 years serving as king as Judah. And then we see over here that I can't pronounce half the names, but Jehoaz, Jehoaz three months. And Jehoahim or whatever, three months. You know, think about that, man. They were so evil that they only served three months. Man, I, I would, you know, they don't say a lot about them. But, but, but they did evil on the side of the Lord, and that's pretty much all they said about them. 
And then you go to the eight out of, the, out of this bunch that served in Judah. Go ahead to the next slide. And these are the ones that, that listened to the Lord. They're the ones that, that said, God, you have my heart. And, and we see the years that they served. And so out of this, what I want to show you today is that out of eight kings out of 39 listened and followed God. But what we see is the kings who listened to God were generally, they lived longer and, and they reigned longer in the kingdom. They flourished. They did great things in the eyes of the Lord because they followed and listened to his word. The kings who listened to God ruled a total of 263 years. The kings who did not listen to God ruled 130 years and stick six months. Statistically, the 12 kings that who did not serve the Lord averaged 10 years. In power and in prosperity, they averaged 10 years. If you take out Manasseh, 55 years, they averaged 6 years. Listen to these things today, guys. Statistically, the eight kings who listened to God averaged 33 years or 32.87. always round up. Those who listened to God averaged 33 years of reign and, and prosperity 23 years longer than those who did not. I called my mathematician, and he's sitting in here today, and I gave him all these statistics, and he run the numbers, and statistically, the eight kings who listened to God lived 67% longer than those who did not listen to God. Wow. The reward for listening to God is living longer lives as kings. And I want to tell you today, it has not changed. Those who listen to God here today, they're not only going to be prosperous today and blessed today, that they're going to live forever as kings, those that choose Him. They're going to be prosperous forever. But as we look at these statistics today, I throw them out to you to make us think. And we're going to move on into point two. When we do not listen to God, he gives us over to our own stubborn desires. Verse 12 says, let them follow their own stubbornness, desires living according to their own ideas. We see that 31 kings, God gave them over to their own stubbornness, their own desires. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman, and he will not force people to follow him. And God pursued them. I know he did. He pursues us. But 31 kings refused to listen to God, and he gave them over to their own stubborn ideas and desires. And it got them 10 years of goodness at the most. Six years, if you want to say. When you read about these kings, most will read like this. And we're going to use the example of Rehoboam because he's the first one listed for Judah. And Judah did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him to jealousy with their sins that they committed more than all the other fathers had done before. So we see that, that Rehoboam and a lot of the kings that followed him, 12 that we see from Judah, that they followed his example, followed his footsteps, and did evil in the sight of the Lord, and God gave them over to their sinful desires. That can happen the same for us today when we choose not to listen to the Lord. 
Romans 1, 21, 24, and 25 says, For although they knew God, they did not know Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they were, became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their heart to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of, about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever and ever. That's what I think the temptation is for not only these kings, but but a lot of people throughout history, and probably some of us here today, that we begin to worship the created, the things of this world, instead of the Creator. We begin to think other things are more important to God, and God will try to woo us and God will try to work us, but He'll eventually let us do what we want to do, again, he's a gentleman, and he, will, he won't force himself on us. But what gets me is that, that we think, again, like when we're in prayer, and we're, we're t- supposedly listening to God, but we're telling God what we're going to do and not do, instead of listening for what he wants to do, that we miss the mark so many times. Something that hit me today as I looked up the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, that tells you about the do's and don'ts. The scriptures in Galatians 5 that that talks about the flesh, the do's and don'ts, the things that God protects us from, if you will, that that I can name anybody, and be honest with you, I've been in ministry so long that I could probably share an example from every one of those sins of somebody deciding that they were going to choose it over God. And it wasn't successful. It didn't pay off for them. And that's what saddens me as a pastor that, that we can get up here and preach till we're blue in the face. You know, listen to God. Flee from this sin. Don't embrace the sins. Don't do this. But people still choose to do that. But the consequences of not listening to God and choosing a lifestyle or the creator or the created instead of the creator James tells us about real well in James 1.14. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Do you see that again? Our own desires. God gave them over to their own desires. When we're enticed by our own desires, then that desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And that's what we're seeing in these these lies of these kings. They had the opportunity to embrace God, but they decided to to entice their desires, their things, and turn their back on God. And it's like a cancer. It keeps growing and growing and growing until it brings death. So not listening to God brings death. Point three, listening to God brings life. And we felt that life in here today. But I'm going to read to you from 1 Kings 15, 11. Asa is the first king that listened to God, that followed God for Judah. And Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as David his father had done. He put away the male cult prostitutes out of the land and removed all the idols that his father had made. He also removed Maka, his mother, from being queen mother because she had made an abomination image for Asherah. And Asherah cut down her image and burned it at the brook of Kidron. But the high places were not taken away. Nevertheless, the heart of Asherah was wholly true to the Lord all his days. 
And he brought into the house of the Lord the sacred gifts of his father and his own sacred gifts, silver, gold, and vessels. He listened to the Lord. He heard the Lord. He put away the male cult prostitutes. And guys, some scholars think that's homosexuality. Because back then, no offense women, but, but your status wasn't there yet. And the male prostitutes, who were they for but the man? And he put them away. He put it behind him. He removed all the idols that his father had made. He removed his mother from being queen. And guys, the, the scripture talks about, and we were hit with this the other day. You know, the, we were asking one camp the other day, we were reading John 12, 25. And Jesus said, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it eternal, to keep eternal life. And we had a young lady that raised her hand and said, Pastor, Christ wants you to hate this life? And, and if you look up that word when Christ says to hate this life, when Christ says to hate your parents, let's just do that and jump to Luke 14, 26. But if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, and wife, and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So is Christ telling us that I need to hate my mom and my dad, my sisters, my brothers, my kids, my life, everything? Well, when you look that up in the Greek, it means love less. Christ is wanting us to love less. Our fathers, our mothers, our sisters, our brothers, our dog, our cat, our life. He wants us to love less everything but God. And that's what Massa did. That's why he was so such a great king. His mom did evil in the sight of the Lord, and he didn't tolerate it. He removed her, and he removed the idols away. God was above his mother. Oh, that's powerful, guys. God is above our mothers. God is above our fathers. God is above our wife. God is above everything. We need to love less our life. But, oh, God, I want to do this. Love your life less. Love God. And when you love God, man, the great things that he will give you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and, and he'll provide everything else. You will be happy and content in putting God first. We showed it in the statistics today. The kings that were the minority that nobody wanted to listen to put God first. This guy reigned 40 years because he put God first. He flourished as king for 40 years. He was successful because he brought sacrifices, silver and gold and vessels to God. He gave back to God his everything. He gave God that he, all that he was. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and, and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Giving back to the Lord. Giving our lives to Him as an act of worship and putting sin behind us. But not only putting sin behind us, and we mentioned the homosexuality, we mentioned the, the, the mother, the father, we put all these things behind us, but we start giving ourselves 
also a sacrifice. When we offer sin up to God, that's a sacrifice because a lot of us don't want to quit our sins, you know. You know, God, why did you show me that? I was kind of enjoying that. But we sacrifice it because we love Him and we love them less. And But we begin to give of ourselves, our time and our tithe and our talent. And, and I was so blessed this week that many of you, man, you gave of your time, your tithe and your talent this week. Taylor had wrote up a letter here, guys, and this wasn't, I just read this the first time, first service. But, but I just want, this is her words, Taylor, that oversaw VBS. Taylor, raise your hand up, and that way they can all see who you are. She said, I just want to take a second to thank every single person from the bottom of my heart that gave either of their time, their tithe, and their talent. I didn't tell her to say that. See how the Lord works with VBS this year at Central. None of this could have been done without your support. Throughout the week, we had a total of 87 kids that came to VBS at least one night. Day one, 47 kids. Day two, 60. Day three, 74. Day five, 75. Or day four, 75. Day five at the park, we had an amazing turnout at our first fun night serving over 150 people. That night, we gave out the little vouchers, I know, to 98 to 100 children. And then we gave out 38 or more to adults. But guys, they were giving out a bunch before that. But we know for a fact that there was 90-some kids there that night. But, but God blessed us with the people. But the neat thing is there was 13 salvations. And let's give the Lord praise for that night. And the reason I love it is Obed was here the first service, Giselle's brother. And he's a student helper. And I was getting to this part. And I just looked over at him, and I go to bed. And before I even got, got the point said it, he got saved. He's like, yeah, that was me. Yeah, I, I got saved. Man, he's pumped. He, he experienced God because you gave him your time, tithe, and talent. And because of Christ, of course, we can't do anything without Christ. We already established that today. But we will experience the gloriousness of God, the kingdom of God, and we will reign as kings when we give of ourselves to him. When we give of our time, our tithe, and our talent, when we give of our sacrifices of the sin that so easily entangles us, when we give the best that we can to God, He blesses us. Teresa, your granddaughter was saved, I believe. And I shouldn't have done this because a lot of kids are in this room today. Uh, the Messer boys came to me, and sorry to embarrass you boys, but they came to me at the pool Tuesday. This doesn't embarrass them. But they said, Pastor, I'm ready to be baptized. And I said, well, tell me about your salvation experiences. Both of them, bam, bam, bam. And they're servers. They're not a, the, the, the speaker types. But they could tell you the day they received Christ. And they're ready to be baptized. Man, when we get ourselves in tune with the Lord, when we get ourselves in, in, in time with the Lord, man, He's going to bless us. But we got to break away this junk that so easily entangles us. Last week we talked about the weights that entangled us. Weights may not even be a sin, but just looking around to see who's not here weighs us down. We need to start looking at who's here and seeing who God's sending us and start asking God to move upon their life. But she goes on to say, each night we took up an offering for the school LCA in Liberia, Africa, and at the Central, kids gave $91.81. And we still got Carthage to go tonight. Kansas City, we get a break next week, and then we go to Kansas City. Again, we need a couple more if people want to go to that.
But I want to go back here. The Lord pricked me on this earlier, and, I, and I'm going to go back to it. But in verse 14, I wasn't speaking in tongues, but I was getting there. But 1 Kings 15, 14, but the high places were not taken away. Nevertheless, the heart of Asha was wholly true to the Lord. And what I'm trying to I want to say to you there today is, guys, all of you are probably thinking, what you're saying, pastor, is hard. And when I was reading this passage all week, I was like, God, why did you have to stick that part in there? Why did he leave the high places? And the Lord spoke to me because I'm always working on you. It seems like, and I work through one thing, the Lord will give me something else to work on. And I'll take care of that, and then he'll show me something else. But the key is, his heart was after the Lord. And we're going to struggle through life. We're going we're to fail to sin on occasion. We're going to fail to the weights of this world on occasion. But God looks upon the heart. And, and your heart's good. God can look over some high places by the blood of Jesus. And I'm not saying accept them. I'm not saying that they're okay. I'm saying that until you can get the stamina to get over them, he's with you. He's there the whole step of the way. And we need to remember that today. But we got to give back to the Lord. Something else the Lord spoke to me, and time just gets away, but, but the Lord really hit me this week when I was out walking and praying. And we're talking about giving back to God. And, and, and I was out walking, and, and I was praying the Lord was, I'll be honest with you, He put a person on my heart in the community that, that has some money, and I don't even know if they go to church. And, and, but I know their heart for our youth in this community. And the Lord told me to put on, put on my heart to go to Him. And share the vision that Oakton has because I think the one camp that we do is his vision. You know, the one camp we do, the things we do with the children and the ministries and the youth and all that, I think's his heart. And I've never done this and the Lord keeps putting it on my heart. This morning I got up and usually I get up and I pray and, and when I'm taking a shower, the Lord really starts dealing with me. Today he kept putting this guy on my heart, go see him, go see him. And I think I'm going to, but as I was thinking about that and praying a couple of days ago, the Lord reminded me, and I was thinking, I'm just going over one camp. We do service from 9 o'clock to 11 o'clock. We do spiritual time from 11 to 12. Uh, 12.30 to 2. God, I've never got a name for that. And, and, and Lord, what do we do from 12.30 to 2? And the Lord says, you're teaching them how to give back. And he goes, I want you to start talking about that time and call it the give back time. Because what we do is we, we review the spiritual time and what has God has spoken to us and we teach the kids to follow through and give of themselves of what God just told them. And he said, call it the give back time. And he just starts laying out things to me on how to present this. But we've been doing this 16 years and he finally told me what that time was in the afternoon that we were, we were doing, but the name for it. And that may not make sense to you guys, but it does to me. That's all that matters. But the last one is evangelism. And so we need to learn to give back to God, to sacrifice and give all that we are. Psalms 81 tells the results of listening to God, and that's life. Those who listen to God flourish because they have put God in charge of their lives and no, and no others. In the Scripture today, the word said in Psalms 81.10, open your mouth wide and I will fill it with good things. And the Lord's telling me today that we need to open our mouth wide. 
And I believe, guys, I believe Angie Cook's done that. And I could name a lot of you guys here today. And a lot of people would say, oh, man, she's, she's all that. She's crazy, man. She is crazy for the Lord. Yes, yeah, she is. She's crazy for the Lord. She's in love with the Lord. But she's opened her mouth, and the Lord just dumps into her. Man, God has taken her from, from prison to preacher, if you will. God has, has dumped on her, and he has moved on her, and we need to open our mouths for him. Uh, basically, open our mouths is having expectations. You know, having goals and visions and dreams, that's what opening our mouth is. Saying, God, I want you to move upon my life. Ladies, if you want to put up the slide, I guess it's women running out of the cornfield. But uh, I put this on my Facebook, but I've taken four pictures since. This cornfield was, was May 16th, my birthday. I didn't get very many presents, by the way. I expect more next year. <laughs> I thought I'd throw that in, you know. Are you listening to me? <laughs> but the corn is about that tall, okay? And, and the next time I went out, and, the, and I went to the corn, and it was waist high. The next time I went out, and it was right into here. And the next time I went out, it was here. <laughs> and guys, that was from May 16th to July 1st. And I posted this on my Facebook. The sun can really make the corn grow. Same with us. When we listen to the sun, and I'm going to add in today, and open our mouth up with great expectations, we too will grow through life and blow through life's trials and tribulations. And I quoted this a couple weeks ago, but I like it. But my granddad always said, when the seasons are right, you can see the corn growing. When the season is right for a move of the Spirit, all it will take is God's people keeping their eyes on Him. But I'll add in listening to, to the Jesus Christ. Now today I've mentioned that, that some people will think we're crazy. Some people, if we really opened our mouth up and said, God, pour into me, you know, people are going to think you're crazy. Uh, guys, uh, I got people telling me I'm crazy all the time. And what we believe is crazy. And you're behind times. And you're, I love you, man. Hey, I love you, baby. Come here and give me a hug. Give me some love before you go. Come on. Come on. Come on. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. No, no, no. But some people are going to think we're crazy. Does anybody think we're crazy after that? Now if we, put your hand down over there. You're just jealous. <laughs> but, but guys, it's, it's, the Lord is so awesome that, that I've been, you know, you get pressure as a pastor to back off and not preach these types of sermons. You get pressure to, to, from the world that says you're behind times. And you just got to press into the Lord and listen to Him. Because it's all that matters. But, but, but a lot of times I just take it when people say I'm crazy. And I just take it. But the Lord is so awesome. He showed me Paul. When Paul was before Festus and Agrippa in Acts 26, 24, preaching the gospel, Festus said in a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Great, your great learning is driving you out of your mind. And Paul didn't take it. Did you guys ever catch that? Paul didn't take it. He responded and said, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent. But I'm speaking true and rational words. 
And the Lord really hit me with that, that, that a lot of times Satan has silenced the church because people think we're crazy and you're witnessing somebody at work or you're saying the word to somebody at work and they say you're crazy or make you think you're crazy and you receive it. And you need to start saying in respect. You can say anything you want to say. It's how you say it. No, sir, I'm not out of my mind. This is the word of God that's true and it's alive and it'll change your life. We need to press in even more. We need to press into the word like never before. And God has told me to share that for somebody here today that, that you're like me. You tend to back up and take a step back because everybody thinks you're crazy when you need to be stepping into the things God has for you. First service when I was praying, the Lord told me that, Kent, where I'm wanting to take Oakton, the world's going to think you're crazy. Because you got a body of believers that will follow him first. Because the world doesn't, even the church world, doesn't want to do church the way we do. And that's for another day. But we need to open our mouths wide, have goals and visions and dreams, expectations, and God will fill it with good things. And guys, I'm going to wrap it up here pretty quick, but, but God cares for us. And he said in the scripture in Psalms 30, 81, 13, Oh, that my people would listen to me. Oh, that my Israel would follow me walking in my past. Guys, God was going every step with them. He was feeling their pain. And I don't think we believe that. I think we think we're so alone. When Jesus in John chapter 11, 33, when he went to Lazarus, when he had been died, and he went there to raise him from the dead, he knew why he was going there. He knew what he was doing. But he saw the people weeping. And I'm reading the scripture now. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Christ was going to raise Lazarus. He wasn't upset because Lazarus died. He was going to raise him up. You know, if I'd have went in there, I'd have been like, hey guys, quit your crying. We're going to raise him from the dead. It's cool. But Christ saw their pain. And he was troubled. He felt them. And he began to weep over them. Same way when he went into Jerusalem. He, he, he saw that they were worshiping him then, but knew later they were going to crucify him. He wept over Jerusalem. Christ is with us every step of the way. I believe that God and Christ and the Holy Ghost was with the, all the kings in the Old Testament. I believe that they were with all the people, but the people chose who they were going to follow. They chose who they were going to, to, to be good or bad. And, and I don't think we realize today we're, we're going, oh God, you don't understand where I'm at when he's weeping with us. He's walking each step with us. When we're feeling pain, he's feeling pain. When we're feeling hurt, he's feeling hurt. But you don't know how they treated me. Yes, they do. Christ knows better how the, you think about you getting treated bad. Look at Christ. He took it all on. But man, he cares for us. He cares for us. God will subdue your enemies, verse 14. His hands would be upon your foes. And the Holy Spirit spoke that to me today. Is so many times we're wanting God to subdue our enemies in the fleshly form. I'll be honest with you guys. I, I'm upset with people sometimes. How many of you get tired of people? 
Come on, we get tired of people. And we're like, God, subdue John. Father, put him in his place. He did this to me. But the Holy Spirit's been very clear all week to me that God has subdued Satan, and that's who we need to be worrying about. We need to love the sinner and hate the sin. But so many times we're wanting to crucify the person and we're wanting to bring judgment on that person. We want to see them hurt. We want to see them have pain. We want to see them suffer because they did it to us. And we're out of tune. We're out of God's will when we're that way. Jesus has already taken care of it on the cross. And Satan is under our feet. And we need to start directing our anger at Satan and, and, and pray for the people and love them the best that you can. And you say, well, pastor, I don't. Well, guys, speak it. Father, I forgive John. And whether I feel it or not, John, I, I forgive me. And that opens a door up for the Lord to minister to you. And that opens a door up for God to do what he wants to do in your life. But we got to realize that the enemy has been subdued by God. The enemy is defeated. The enemy is under our feet. We empower the enemy when we allow him to do things in our life. When we follow this world and, and, and he's going to entice us. But we, in, we empower him when we give in to his sin. We empower him when we give in to his weights. We empower him and we got to be careful of that. Know that he's defeated. James 4, 7, submit yourself therefore unto God, then resist the devil and you will flee. God's paid the price through his son, Jesus Christ. And we realize who the enemy is and we start loving God's people and guys, believe me, I know. I know. Christ knows. We put him on the cross and he still loved us. Yeah, we put him on the cross. And he still loves us. He died for your sins too. And he still loved us. And last, God will feed you with the finest wheat. He will satisfy you with the wild honey from the rock. I thought it was kind of neat. I was talking to the farmers at the first service. And a lot of them, some of them came to the first service because they're going to go farm. One of them said that I'm going to plant this 39 acres for the first time. And I go... How many times are you going to plant the next, or how much are you going to plant that you've planted several times? He goes over 300 acres. He's planted two or three times. But I said, did you have a good wheat crop? Oh, man, we had a great wheat crop. Just need trust in God. You need trust in him. And he will feed you with the finest wheats. He will satisfy you with the wild honey from the rock. I'm going to read this closing. But listening to God still works today. When our strength is in God, the difficult places, tough situations, and the valleys of life can be turned into springs. As you draw your strength from God, you will find yourself going from strength to strength. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Me and my brother Brian, um, he come in last Monday and Tuesday. But we were talking about, and he was shared about how he's been reading Acts. We're reading Acts. 
on how the, the Holy Spirit just continually refilled the disciples to accomplish what they needed to do. Acts 2, 4, filled the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 3, and the Spirit of the Lord was upon them. And then Acts 4, the Spirit of the Lord upon them for boldness. You guys get that? God provided the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit for every situation through the book of Acts. And I'm going to do that. He's already done it, so, or he's working on it, so I'm going to wait until he gets done and steal his notes. But he's going to show all those through the, all through the book of Acts how they were, and when the Holy Ghost was needed, bam, bam, bam. But is our mouth open with expectation? I think of them little birds in the nest wanting the worm. But where are you at today? Are we listening to Jesus or are we listening to the world? It's that simple. And I've showed you through Scripture, those that, that listen to God, man, he blessed their socks off. And I want to encourage you today to continue on in the things of the Lord because he's with you. You've heard what I preached. You just respond how you want. But today, if you want to accept Christ, your Lord and Savior, I want you to come to me. But outside of that, these altars are open. But let's go listen to the Lord, not only today, but tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Not going into prayer, trying to give him the answers, but listening for the answers. Amen? And then following through by sacrificing of your time, your tithe, your talents, the weights, we limit God. We limit what God wants to do in Oakton by the way we give of our time, our tithe, and our talent. God wants to do it. I don't say that mean because we do lots of great things. But there's greater things. Is your mouth open to the vision, the goals, and the dreams that God has for this body? Are we looking around and seeing what else is out there? Are we pressing into his vision and goals and dreams for this body?